What is the cost of a bad ethical choice? For the retail giant Walmart, the going price is $137 million. The U.S. Department of Justice says that's the combined criminal penalty that Walmart and its wholly owned Brazilian subsidiary agreed to pay to resolve the government's investigation into violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. According to the Justice Department, Walmart allowed third-party intermediaries to bribe foreign government officials for up to 10 years and failed to take steps to stop the practice. So, how well are you monitoring the ethics in your supply chain? Welcome to Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rossbeck and I'm talking to Bill Michaels, SIPS Vice President of Operations, Americas, about, you guessed it, ethics. You think about um, sitting at your desk and sourcing and finding suppliers abroad. A lot of, a lot of supply managers never actually go out and audit that supply chain or look at that supply chain. In fact, you'd be surprised at how many companies don't even map the supply chain don't have no idea who's involved in, in the uh, acquisition of goods and services, and that uh, they just don't have that. You, you know, we had the phishing incident where uh, the Associated Press had uh, reported that 200 slaves were in boats, and most of the fish that they caught wound up in our leading grocery stores. You, you've got a lot of them. Nestle's Nestle also had some uh, incidents in the supply chain. When you start looking at supply chains, you really have to know what's in that supply chain, how it works, and who's behind it. And, and again, like I've said, many times I'll go into companies and I'm astonished that there is no supply chain beyond tier one. They know that tier one is, is in the supply chain and they actually um, expect their tier one suppliers to move down the supply chain, each of the supply chains chains that operate ethically, and that's not what happens. Yes. So there are a lot of surprises deeper in the supply chain. So what could happen when something goes wrong? What, what, are, the, what, are, the, what are the penalties? What are the possible uh, harmful effects? Clearly, you could run afoul of the law. What else? Yeah, you, you, you definitely can wind up in jail. Um, you, you can hurt your personal reputation uh, the uh, company reputation, in, in the worst case, you can either not have a career anymore or you could wind up in jail or the company can uh, be damaged significantly with shareholders or go out of business. So all of those things can happen. And you've had some scary experiences from your own experience, correct? Yes, I have. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of things. It's really interesting. I've seen uh, people come up to me and say, well, a supplier wants to use their plane What's your policy? And um, I've always had a personal policy that, you know, if it, if it was a very remote location you're going to uh, and working with my management, we would pay the top fare for commercial to the supplier. Always we would pay for it. Uh, we would never take something like that uh, for free. Uh, and in another case, and, and you were talking about what might happen internationally, one of my uh, one of my colleagues uh, was sitting there. He bought a commodity out of India, uh, and the supplier walked into his office and dropped down ten thousand dollars worth of uh, uh, traveler's checks. And he immediately said, "Get out of here! Take them back! That's not a policy we have." And the supplier said, "I can't. It's hard to get money out of India. I can't take them back." Well, um, the the buyer said, "I'm going to leave them on the desk," and you know. I'm going to report what you did. At the end of the day, if the janitor picks them up, the janitor will have a very nice life. And finally, the supplier picked up the traveler's checks and, uh, and moved on. 
I once had a boss, right? And he, he asked me to cover a 500 ton coal pile in the winter. It was in, in upstate New York in the snow. And uh, when we did the bids and the final criteria, order winning criteria that he gave me was there had to be enough material to cover his airplane. He was a, a, he was a personal flyer. So, you know, and it may not even be your ethics that's tested. It could be uh, someone else's. I was teaching a class and this, this kid came up to me and he said, hey, you know, we were at a Christmas dinner with our boss, with the supplier. And then uh, when our boss left, the supplier gave each of us a $100 gift card. What do you what do you think I should do? And, and his dilemma was uh, not his personal dilemma, but everybody else in the department had spent their gift card, and he didn't because he didn't think it was ethical. So I mean, my answer to him was, "You got to do the right thing." Yeah. And and uh, and you know, he asked that question over a, a, a series of a year, three or four times, and then eventually he reported it to his boss and and the company. But you know. Um, that was kind of interesting. How about requests for charities? A buyer asks his suppliers to sponsor a charity golf outing or buy a table at a gala. Yeah, I get asked about that a lot, and I, uh, I think it's a form of uh, um, it's it's a form of, of obligation. So when they do, um, they they have an obligation. It's really it even goes uh, deeper than that. Some uh, some CEOs have uh, special charities, and there was one. In, there's two in particular. I know. One that I worked with that had a, a children's uh, orphan um, charity, and you couldn't get to be a supplier or on the supplier list until you made that obligation. That was from the founder of the company. So that's pretty gray area there. It's pretty gray area. Bad things can happen to you if you are not ethical, right? Sure, right? And, and, and you can you can be um, uh, you you could ruin your trust by. Uh, giving away pricing. I mean, that's one one of the things I find with some of the younger people today is they don't see anything wrong with sharing pricing or sharing contracts or showing people what other people are paying uh, or guiding people into the right pricing. And, and that's really, once you do that, you lose the trust of not only the supply chain, but the you know, the supplier, but the supply chain in general. In fact, well, if you, if you do that, you, you may never be trusted again by anyone that that supplier is with. So the you know the benefits for having ethics. I mean, the benefits are you you, you strengthen and protect your own reputation. You, you safeguard against the supply chain malpractice. You you can really keep um, uh, keep the company safe from um, in corporate social responsibility from society pressure or or supply uh, or or media pressure. You, you never anything you do, you don't want to wind up in the New York Times as you you talked about this morning. Um, you, you, the company will get access to lending in new markets and, and um, uh, more opportunity if you have a solid reputation. Um, and, and you got a social license to operate. And you have a more, I always have been guided by a strong moral compass. Sure. So the most frequent issue that comes up is generally gifts. You know, a lawyer friend of mine offers Detroit Red Wings tickets to clients. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what what I always have had a policy to do is uh, either pay for it or do something reciprocal. And and my company has always backed me up. So if I went to lunch, I, I may have a lunch this time, but I, I wouldn't make it a habit of going to lunch with the supplier <clears throat> over and over again. If we had some business, or if I wanted a <clears throat> really a relationship with that supplier, strategic relationship, I might I might go to lunch. But the second time I go to lunch, I, I would definitely pay. 
I'd pick up the thing. If someone invited me to a game, I'd, I'd give them the money for the ticket. Uh, I, I just want to operate always that I, I don't want an obligation to anybody. And in some of the organizations, and I know the automotive industry is really tough on this now, um, we, had to, we had to register everything that came in the door. Um, and, and some suppliers were kind of slick by sending you flowers at Christmas time or whatever. But we always wrote a letter saying, hey, we donated them to this church. Thank you very much. And we, we would do it. We would actually do, donate it. I, I think you have to be careful about gifts, though, because in, in Asia, it's a policy uh, to bring a gift. So you want to bring a small sentimental gift of, of low value, and, and you want to make sure that anything you do take is in, in, the, in the culture of the business. So you, you don't want to be, um, you know, you don't want to be neglecting culture, but uh, you, you do need to have that policy. You do need to make it make it uh, firm. Uh, you know, I go to companies and I see liquor and hams and cookies and everything coming in the door at Christmas time. And we always send a letter to suppliers saying, you know, that's not our policy. We would prefer you not do it. But if okay. we did, we would always either uh, share it or or tell people um, or tell people that it was donated and we would donate the stuff. I want to be known as a very hard buyer, but a fair buyer. And when you start accepting gifts, you lose that opportunity. So let's back up a bit. What kind of things fall under the ethics banner? Obviously, kickbacks. Oh, um, sure. What are fraud, improper billing, filing logs and laws and regulations? Conflict of interest, for sure. I've seen that, and uh, I've been been asked recently to do a, a policy for a company on conflict of interest. One time I saw a company, a, a guy that was responsible for um, buying uh, cleaning cleaning supplies. And uh, he wouldn't have gotten caught, but what he did is brought his Amway check-in to show that he made $120,000 on Amway products and he was buying from himself. So, so you know, it was, you, you get to see that where, where people, you know, uh, will hire family members. And I think as, as we're starting to look at the gig economy, it's, e- it's even worse because, you know, we, we may be finding those kind of conflicts of interest in the, uh, uh, in, in the supply chain. And, and I think that that's going to make it a little bit uh, harder to find, but you certainly don't want someone that's got five shell companies that's actually, um, buying from themselves and, 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 you know, you want to make sure you have the proper audit trails to make sure that you, you can find out who they are and you do dil- due diligence on the front end to know who's behind the, uh, the supply base that you're using. In fact, I was, uh, I, I'm working, I'm working in a company now and I was very astounded that, you know, they have a lot of people that have the capability to buy within the organization that are not professional buyers and uh, they don't, they don't have those checks in the front end. So you have to really be careful of who, who it is, are they a sound company, you know, who's the owners behind it, uh, e- even at relatively small spends, you have to look at that. So in the Americas, companies have different ethics policies, but there's a general understanding that bribes, kickbacks, extravagant gifts, and so forth, they're not acceptable business practices. Is it easy for someone from the U.S. or Canada to fumble in a procurement context that is very different from what we see here? They're starting to operate overseas. Everything is global now. Uh, what happens when you run into different cultures where uh, uh, bribery and the kind of the kickbacks are just part of the way of doing business? Yeah, you, you get to see that. And, uh, you know, in, in, in some of the consulting work I did in the past, I'll never forget meeting with the CEO of Asia. And he said, I hate the suppliers and I hate my buyers because nobody's honest. 
And so you have to really be uh, clear about what, what you're going to do. And you really have to put in the ability to audit what's going on and where the money's going and how it's going and to whom it's going. Um, and you have to have due diligence and you have to go out and see the suppliers. You have to go out and audit. You know, many companies, Bob, have uh, policies that say that on the ethics side of the business, on the corporate social responsibility side of the business, they have the policies in place to say these are these are the good practices. And they also have the policies in place to say we are going to educate every one of our suppliers and we're going to know who they are and we're going to certify that they've been through ethical training, bribery training, forced labor training, and, uh, and, and then we're going to audit them in compliance. But you know how many people actually do the audits and actually have the training going on at every levels of the supply chain? Not very many. So what are the warning signs that a situation could put you as a buyer, as a procurement officer in a very uncomfortable and possibly illegal spot? What, <laughs> is there any way to prevent um, a situation? Well, I, th I think you have to have the right policies in place that talk about uh, the competitive bidding process. You have to have the right process in place on what teams go out to audit the supplier. I think you really have to have post-buy audits and sometimes surprise, surprise audits so that you don't find uh, children chained to the desk in the apparel industry or you don't find the doors bolted and locked together. Uh, you show up and do a surprise audit and you have a right with your supplier to do that. I think you really understand the supply chain. I think you really have to make sure that, um, you know, you, and you have to look periodically at who's in the industry and, and who you're buying from. In some cases, people buy and they're not even buying from the right supplier. They're buying from a supplier who subcontracts to another supplier who uses forced labor. And you really want to be sure that you know what you're doing. Can you actually have it both ways, great sourcing without ethical violations? Uh, not not without not without audit and checking and understanding and mapping the supply chain. I, I think you have to really because someone I mean someone can tell you that they're supplying everything, but unless you're checking, you're not sure where it's coming from. You're not sure what suppliers they're using. You know you don't know that there's not people uh, or that they're dumping chemicals in the field. You, you have no idea. So how does an individual or company raise its skills and improve its ethical practices? I think the first thing they do is they, they look at their, their policies and make sure they're clear. The second thing they do is go out to the supply chain and get the supply chain to agree that these are the similar policies that they're going to have. Then I think they map the supply chains and understand who's in the supply chain, who's doing what in the supply chain. And then they go out, they educate the suppliers, and then they audit audit all of the suppliers on a random basis. And there's third-party companies that will go out and do the audits for you. And they're, sometimes they're announced and sometimes they're not announced, especially if you're doing business overseas. I think the other thing that I'm seeing is I'm seeing an increase in people that don't, uh, don't really understand ethics to the degree that it needs to be understood. So some of the younger people or some of the contractors are coming in and you know they don't, they don't have the knowledge. So you have to educate your own employees or your own contractors in terms of, you know, fair and competitive bidding and, and, uh, and social corporate social responsibility to make sure that they're, they're in, in line. And as we start to move to more and more contractors in the uh, supply chain, we're going to have to be more and more careful about who we hire and what we, what we, what we expect of them and what we contract for. What tools does SIPS offer for supply managers in the uh, in ethical procurement? 
I'm glad you asked that question, Bob. But SIPS is really focused on on ethical procurement, and as as you probably know, the uh, um, uh, Slavery Act in the UK is one of the strongest in the world. Now that's been adopted by um, uh, Australia, and it, and I I believe it'll be moving here. So SIPS offers a, uh, a self evaluation and ethics that you can go in and take. Uh, but in addition to that, if you're a SIPS member. There's a free ethics test that uh, I would encourage everybody to take. And, and that one, you take a, a series of e-modules, and then you take the ethics test. And, uh, and once, you, once, you, uh, once you get there, um, if you have any desires to be a chartered professional, that ethics test will, uh, will be required every year. And for SIPS employees, we're required to do the ethics test every year. So I think, I think that it, it, take it serious. Excellent. And one more thing, if, if, you, are, if you desire uh, uh, as an organization um, to ha have an, uh, an ethical stamp on your organization, then, and then, then if you can take your, all your employees through the ethics test, then you can get a, a badge of ethical sourcing. So I think all of those things are critical. Have we missed anything? I don't think so. I think uh, I think you know. To summarize what what we've talked about is, I think you really have to be have strong policies. You have to have internal and external education for everybody involved in the supply chain. You really have to have a map of the supply chain, and I can tell you, probably ninety five percent of every company I go to don't have the map. And, and I think you have to be able to. Uh, audit sustainably, and I think you have to be able to um, update your policies every year, and I think you have to get a, a certification from the supplier that they're following those policies. So those those will help you internally. I think you have to you have to make sure and reinforce that you don't want um, you don't want to be in the news or you don't want to go to jail. And I think you need to, to select down what are the policies and how do they work. And I think you really have to um, uh, ignore the ignore the pressure from management to do uh, uh, to do the wrong thing. And I'll, I'll close off on one thing. When I was a really young guy, uh, I was asked to change a bid uh, and go to one that was that the company thought was more politically favored because someone was running for an office. And uh, they, they came to me, and I, I really didn't have a lot of knowledge of politics or anything, but they came to me, they asked me to change that bid, I kept refusing because I was operating in the best interest of the company. And at the end of the day, um, one of the uh, one of the uh, senior managers of the business, that actually the leader of the business, uh, came to me and said, I appreciate you've done the right thing. I appreciate you're looking at the company. I may not be able to help you. You may get fired. But there's worse things than getting fired for having integrity. I've never forgotten those words. And oddly enough, when I went into business on my own, um, when I was looking for employees, uh, the guy that threatened me for my job was the first one that applied for my job. And we basically wrote back and said, we only hire ethical people. Thank you very much, Bill. Thanks, Bob.